I'm sexy, I'm cute, I'm popular to boot, I'm bitchin', great hair, the boys all love to stare, I'm wanted, I'm hot, I'm everything you're not, I'm pretty, I'm cool, I dominate this school, who am I? Just guess. Hi, I'm Maddie Germs, welcome to QBT. (laughs) And I'm, is that from Bring It On? Yes ma'am it is. Oh my god, and I'm Gabrielle Union. Work bitch. Um, <laughs> we are two queer babes talking about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want, bitch. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Mm-hmm. Trying to talk slick all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know what's funny? My hair is like a pillow when I lay on it. What a gift. A naturally built-in pillow. That's so nice. It's looking super floof. Thanks. I did nothing to it. It looks great. (laughs) Um, Wanted something very silly today. I tried to, um, I found some hair dye, just because like when you move, you find things, you know? Uh I was like, okay, I'm going to put some hair dye in it. But look, I only, I accidentally only dyed like half of it. Like you see how... Okay. Oh, wait, yeah, there maybe is. it looks fine. It's like this is like orangey, and then this is st- it has like some oh, I in see. it, but I it's because like I was doing it like this way, and then when I flipped it over, it just like didn't. So <laughs> I've dyed half my hair, and my hands are red. So, oh, cute. So you didn't murder somebody that was gonna be my step slut. Who'd you murder today? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, or maybe I did this to be like it's hand, it's red dye, you know? Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't see any color in your hair, bitch. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Um, how, how are you settling in after the move? Um, it's feeling good. Um, you know, with, the ways that, uh, we roll in summer sometimes. We're just like, go, 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 go. Um, Mm. and our friends asked us to go camping this weekend and I wanted to so bad. And I also was like, I'm going to choose to not make a plan. <laughs> I'm going to choose to just sit. And so Spencer and I have been very sleepy and getting stuff. I think he's actually like, I, I sequestered him outside the house. I was like, I'm recording, get out. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think he's like restaining a table or something right now. So that sounds like a very Spencer thing. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> to, uh, yesterday, I tried to get them to just relax with me and they found 92 things to do. Wonderful. Glad they were done. And I was also like, <laughs> Where's the rest? Where is it? Like, does it exist? <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I have had a very chill weekend. I had friends in town from New York City, our very own Charles and Gary, who were on the podcast. Finally um, got to meet them in between last time we recorded and this time. Yeah. Beautiful um, gems of people. Thank you. I know how to pick them, right? Really. Um, but yeah, we I wore them ragged. We were ripping and running through Portland. Very, very safe things like hanging out on the river and going to the beach. But right. um, we didn't really sit down much. Um, so yeah, I, what, Gary left on Thursday, Charles left on Friday. And I've really just been kind of sitting on my ass as much as I possibly can. Oh, yeah. Aside from coming to your place on Friday and drinking and hanging out yeah you guys we were gonna try and have a fire and then it rained very hard so we just like had a little bit of a hello inside i'm glad that um that happened um it was good to see you um and good to be in a place that was not as like it just was always at my old place like while there were things i liked about it it just 
there was like seven doors to get through. There was no way to like let people in. I always had to run up and down if I wanted yeah. to get someone in. It was just annoying. And this is open and clean and airy and feels good. Um, it definitely feels way more um, <clears throat> open to like hosting and having people in. Yeah, perfect for this time when that's not exactly. really a thing. But uh, yeah. maybe one day, yes. When it be. is, when it mm -hmm. is safe to do so. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, do you want to get into And What About It? I do. There's a few things for us to talk about. Let's start with television. Okay. Um, Lovecraft Country. Have you watched it? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you love it? Do you want more? Do you want less? Yes. Yeah, so, so far at the time of this recording, I think there's an episode tonight, but we both watched the first episode. Um, I am so excited. I like it a lot. Everyone is fucking beautiful. Um, Eve's Bayou. What's her name? Justine? Justice? Just Journey. Journey. Yep. Journey Smollett. Journey Smollett. Yes. Um, oh, Eve's Bayou. Let's just pause. Uh, that movie is excellent. It's a great I know. Um, we need to, uh, I've heard a lot about it. I can't remember if I've seen it. So, and then I, I haven't explored it because last time I saw you, you were like, we're going to do a backyard movie thing and watch that. So I'm like just waiting yeah. to do that in your backyard. Okay, done. I'll plan that over the next couple of weeks. Yay. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really, I'm stoked to see it. Okay, back to Lovecraft Country. It's amazing. Um, I yeah. liked it. What did you, what was, uh, besides just liking it, what did you like about it? Um, uh, there goes blue in the background. Maybe um, me. <clears throat> it is, uh, I don't know, it's just science fiction and black people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I'm always excited about that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. um, I don't know, it's interesting. I, I was definitely expecting episode one, like everything that happened in episode one, is almost like everything you saw in the trailers. So right. in my head, I was like, "Oh, where? Like, where else are you guys gonna? Where are you gonna go with this? Yeah. Like, you did everything that I was expecting you to do over the yeah. course of like this season in one episode. Yeah. Um. So that makes me excited for like the upcoming ones because now I feel like we're gonna be able to explore sort of this mystery about this guy's dad, and I still want to know more about Journey Smollett's character. Like, what's her background? Like, what's going on with her? And not yeah. being able to like stay like keep money in her pocket. Do you know that main guy's name? I do not. Oh no, he's hot though. He is hot. God, and he is fucking ripped. He's gorgeous. Um, yeah, I mean, and he also then, has such a beautiful face. I mean, that body, obviously, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. his face, but his face too. So I mean, everything about like Yeah. Um, and then Angela Bassett's husband. What's that boy's name? Ugh, I always forget. I not Sterling K. Brown. What is that man's name? Whitney something Whitney. I don't remember. Anyways, Angela Bassett's husband. Okay. Um. He's I love someone being referred to as someone's husband versus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, so for those who don't know, mild, mild spoilers. Like Shani said, uh, a lot of the first episode is kind of like what the trailer is. So it's pretty much the same information. But essentially, it's about the world and the monsters of Lovecraft in this kind of meta thing where a character is a big Lovecraft fan. It's like what, late, late 50s, early 60s? It's still segregation, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so. Uh, the hot guy's uncle is like a guide who creates the, um, you know, safe guides so people don't run into sundown towns. Like, I don't know if you anyone knew this, but like, um, I don't know if white people knew this, but um, you had to sort of find ways to travel. So like, you couldn't just go like, even after, you know, 
in the world of Jim Crow, you couldn't just kind of like move from one town to another because like you not you might not make it. You know what I mean? Like you have to like find these safe bars to go to, safe gas stations to stop at, like all this kind of stuff, which honestly there are still some like creepy sundown towns still left in the United States. Like, oh yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, that's what that uncle guy does. And then the dad is missing and that's, so this guy's come back from war and he's like, my dad's missing. I got a weird letter. Um, and because I love monsters and horror and um, you know, even though I'm pissed at my dad, I want to figure out what's going on. Q journey, Q, not Smollett, but like she's also there. <laughs> they <laughs> move through to try and find this uh, place. And then we get this kind of climax of the episode where there is both white people acting crazy in a sundown town. Oh, and yes. then out of nowhere, the monsters come. And it's like, it also is really cool because it gives you that first opening dream sequence, like with just like all of HP Lovecraft's monsters, like Cthulhu and like some of the invaders and like this baseball bad guy comes and like slices the, like it just, it starts off yeah. fun. It starts off really wild. And was really that Jackie Robinson? Maybe? I think that's who that was supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, baseball guy, you know, Jackie Robinson. Um, but the only uh, baseball guy I know. <laughs> I'm very excited to see more of it. I feel it's super cool, like what they did with Watchmen to take kind of like source material and a person that like had, I mean, Watchmen may be less problem or uh, yeah, less problematic. It, whereas like H.P. Lovecraft was like a Nazi loving racist, like and created mm -hmm. a lot of stories about the other, which are is always a code for the other in a society and for you know his time period that was obviously black people and poor people <laughs> and so um he i love that hbo has given some creative direction or allowed folks to kind of run with what it means to reimagine these stories through a different lens and um i don't know and it has jordan peele and jj abrams producing it so if right. you're wondering the feel of it, it's very, it definitely has uh, Jordan Peele sort of aesthetic and vibe. And then it has a lot of J.J. Abrams mystery and sort of, there's a lot of batshit crazy things happening and none of this is adding up in my brain. But um, I, I I feel like it's going to go go in a direction that's good. Also, when I was younger, we drove through one of those sundown towns mm. between Memphis, Tennessee and Chicago. There's mm. a few. What was that like? Um, I mean, Do you it was remember? Fun. I was a kid. I was just like, you know, parents were just like, all right, like, we got to get through this part of the trip within the day or within yep. a few hours. Uh, but it didn't really register as anything. Now as an adult, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like, there's those places. There's, I mean, there's also like sometimes like queer traveling guides, you know, of like, Especially if you're visiting, you know, other countries, which, oh, yeah. oh my God, did you watch Canada's Drag Race this week? <sighs> it's okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I did. I'm sad. With the, with the, um, oh yeah. Um, I honestly <laughs> don't want to talk about any of the contestants. The coolest part about that was the bringing on uh, yes, the refugees. Yes, yes, yes. And, that was amazing. Um, it was a little bit too, like, isn't Canada amazing for being nice to these people? And, like, there's a lot of saved language. I'm like, do, do, do you guys know how hard it is to, like, go through the steps to leave a country? It felt very white savior. Yeah. But I, I, was I like, appreciate, I really, I was, like, the the contestants themselves, not the drag queens, but, right. like, the refugees they had on, I guess, contestants to get remade over. Right. Um, 
they touched my heart. Like they were really sweet and cute and like they looked like they were having a really good time and right. they were actually having fun. I could care less about why no <laughs> all of that I, I honestly didn't really care like what happened on the show what happened on the show but that part I was just like this is so cool because I think it is easy to really forget the queer populations around the country or around the world that like you know it's very easy to focus on what's happening here especially with someone yeah. like Mike Pence in office but um I don't know I it was a really good reminder and it was um I, I also, I think it's a weird nuance too, cause like it's a really, it can become a very xenophobic conversation around like, well, why would we want to support these places or back these places, but they are homophobic. You know what I mean? Like it's a really mm -hmm. easy way to dismiss this thing where I really loved what the guy, I think from Uganda was talking about. He's like, I have to believe that things can change. And I'm like doing humanitarian work there and I'm doing work to be an activist. I literally had to leave because my life was in danger, but I don't like not love that place or I'm not trying to still, Yeah, I don't feel like I'm in Canada forever. I feel like I'm in Canada for a literal asylum. <laughs> like they kept mm -hmm. like kind of brushing over the asylum aspect of it, you know? But um, anyway, that was super cool. I just, I thought that was awesome. And um, with Lovecraft specifically, it was really funny too, just because, um, I mean, when I was kind of coming into the nightlife scene in Portland and really gaining a lot of confidence in myself and going to parties and uh, there were some big popular parties that I just like didn't connect with. I was like, I don't get this whole like shirts off, like sniffing man meat smelly like i just don't get it um what what party were you at <laughs> you, you know what i mean you know what i mean and uh, yeah yeah, yeah. there's a sniffing man meat parties yes and there was um there's this bar called lovecraft that um you know rightfully got kind of shut down because they wouldn't change the name for a while um and and all of that was around the idea that lovecraft was a fucking racist like why are we having this kind of like queer safe space celebratory space in a bar named after a racist and then there was also some terrible um sexual assault stuff going on like it was what am i trying to say um there was lots of terrible things and a lot of anti-blackness that was happening in that space that was kind of going on going on behind closed doors and then it also was something that gave me a lot of uh confidence it gave me a lot of like entryway into art that i'd never experienced before and i love how the guy in lovecraft country kind of says the same thing because within minutes they're like you know that guy like loves the n-word right like you know that guy sucks and he's like well I love the monsters of this place. Like, I love the mystery of this. And he's like, I, I, thank you for reminding me. It is important to know this and hold this. And also, I'm getting something out of this that this person who might hate me did not mean to offer me, but I'm going to fucking take it. You know what I mean? And so does that mean I can eat Chick-fil-A now? I don't think that's what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what All that I means. took away from that is <laughs> so I can consume things from bigots and it's okay as long as they're good. Uh, maybe that is what that is meant, but I, that's not what I meant. I don't know. We'll have to come back to that maybe. Um, I also revisited Euphoria because Charles was like, I've never seen this and told me about his experience of the first episode. And I was like, wait, do I like that show? I think I had a good experience. Yeah. I'm going to try again. Turns out, fucking loved it still. <laughs> still fucking great. Same. I was watching it, so uh, my friend that was in town hadn't seen it, and when he watched it, was like a little stressed out by it, because he said he was in like parent mode, and it's just like, oh, you can't be in parent mode when you watch no. You have to be in like, I'm a 
hormone riddled like teenager as well like on this journey with him but yeah i was rewatching like the first four episodes with him and i was like nope i am still into this show it is amazing it's so good (laughs) and like i was texting with my brother about it who's a high school teacher who was like i can't watch a show about teenagers partying and i was like in my mind it uses teenagers as a way to tell stories about trauma versus Mm -hmm. it being about teenagers partying you know what i mean like it I also like how the show, almost every time there is some big party scene, it's always connected to someone's emotional reasoning to engage in that party. Like, uh, I'm thinking a lot about when Jules was being blackmailed and then that's when she decides to get blackout drunk. And so it's, Mm. it isn't necessarily glorifying these things. It's kind of just naming why people come to them. And like kind of in our drugs episode, there's that part where, um, what is Zendaya's character? Rue has that voiceover and she's like, you know, it's hard because in some ways drugs are fucking awesome, (laughs) but the line between them being awesome and being something where you embarrass your family and yourself and ruin everything around you is such a small window that like, that's the other truth of it, you know? I just, it's so gorgeous. I love the way it treats, um, it tells these young women's stories and gives them a lot more agency and talks a lot of shit around, even though it still has that male gaze to it, which is the one thing that bothers me a little bit. There's like, there's just still, I don't know. I I think on a very different lane, it's like not the same type of finger on the pulse kind of stuff, but I think Euphoria is one of the best examples of youth culture and not just like in a consumer way, but in the feeling way, like in the experience of like, the world is fucking burning, man. <laughs> like, you know, like this is the world yeah. that we're receiving. Yes, I'm going to take Molly at a carnival. Shut up. And um, I feel like Booksmart last year was kind of the only other thing that I feel like really... I do too. And obviously that is more humor, but to me, both of those are really great examples of like women in high school in 2020. Obviously euphoria is like 24 hot year olds, but like, I don't know. Does any of that make sense? How they like are sort of connected in my brain? No. Okay. (laughs) No, it makes complete sense. I, everything you said, I echo. I, euphoria is euphoric. Hmm. See what I did there? I do. <laughs> um, Britney Spears' conservatorship was extended. And Unfortunately. She, yeah. Uh, free Britney is a real thing. I don't really know how to uh, talk a whole lot about it other than, um, you know, if this woman is well enough to go around and perform and work for these people, she has to be well enough in some ways to be able to drive a car alone. Like one of the reasons that she was put in the mental institution by her father earlier this year, because like when she had that tour that she announced and then canceled, um, she was seen driving a car while her dad was away. And that is like what sent him into, he's like, you're going to go to this and get, cause she was off her meds. You know, she didn't like to be on, on some meds and like, it reminds me of that Kanye thing, you know, we were talking about like what it means to be kind of forcing someone to be medicated or not. And it, mm-hmm. it's such a delicate conversation, but all we know is Brittany 
hates being sedated to the point of robot. You know, she hates that. Mm -hmm. And her family, or at least her dad, are in charge of her life. And so she has to do that. Like he threatens to take away her kids every time she requests not to, you know? And like, because she loves being a mother more than she loves her own autonomy, she's always made the decisions to lean towards protecting the relationships that she has with her kids. But like, she's filed restraining orders against uh, her dad for like, cause Kevin Federline accused him of abusing one of the kids one time. And like, this man has control over his daughter's life and money. And my understanding is that her appeals at the moment are not exactly to uh, complete, at least at this time, are not to completely remove herself from the conservatorship, but to make sure her father is not the one in charge. But it's mm. so fucking sad, man. That's fucked up. I didn't know any of that. I will. Um, we can do a whole free Britney episode. I'll, I love conspiracy theories. Um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, Megan the Stallion confirmed Tory Lanez was the one who fucking shot her. Yo, I mean, we didn't even need the confirmation, but like... <laughs> Truly. I feel like she did, but I'm I'm also glad she was more explicit for other people. Yeah, I mean, well, fuck Tory Lanez. Hope Beyond. you had a great career, dude, doing whatever it is you do. <laughs> I just, I think the most disappointing thing about all of this to me is, you know, we're seeing this Black woman in obvious trauma, and there's still people who are like, well, what did you do? You know, or like calling Megan mm -hmm. a liar... And it's like, the only reason she actually spoke out this time was because Tori and his team were like putting out like snitch vibes on her. And she's like, I haven't even fucking called you out, but now I'm going to motherfucker. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? And like, then there's still people who like, uh, it's just so beyond sad that she was so terrified of not only this man that she is probably been hooking up with they're probably a little bit of a thing and he shoots her as she's trying to get away so she's trying to exert her autonomy leave the situation because she doesn't want to cause a siege she doesn't want to scratch somebody she doesn't want to do anything she's like i'm getting now i'm out of here and he fucking pulls a gun out on her and shoots her while going away and then the cops get called and she gets back in the car and to protect what she thinks is you know her people which is like her, her friend, Tori, and his bodyguard. Yeah. She doesn't tell the police that there's a gun in the car and that he shot her because they were like, well, if, she's like, well, if I do that, he'll die. Like, yeah. she is in this traumatic situation, it, having to protect this person that she has been shot by because she's so afraid that the police will kill him. She has n literally nowhere to seek for help. There is no one to help her in that situation. Yeah. And it's like, now she has to deal with the fucking internet bullies, like the same people who fucking love Chris Brown and saying that he didn't never did anything. Same people who fucking like ride for R. Kelly. They want to just shit on any woman's story because she had to have done something to deserve it. And it's like gross. And to, it's be, fucking gross. And to be in that predicament, that is a unique predicament that only a black woman would would be stuck in and and have to sort of uh, have to do what do what Megan did, right? Like, I can rat out 
not just black people, but like this black man that I'm supposed to also be supportive of because he's a black man and like we got to keep them from being shot. We got to keep them from getting locked up. Right. right. But also, I've been shot and I need help. But like, I can't even ask for help right now because like that puts me in a bad position where right. I can't protect those around me. Um, and then also who knows what the fuck happens to her if she goes and gets help from a hospital or had just gone to the police and said like, I just need help, right? Like, Well, that's what she said. She said she went to the hospital like later, like just was like, I'm gonna go take care of myself, you know? And yeah. then the all of the nurses, all of the, some of the doctors were basically acting like the cops to her of like, who did this to you? You know, what were you guys doing? Yeah, right, this is a gunch. Right. And she's like, I literally, just, I just can't, it just makes me so sad to be, if I were in that state of trauma, to then have to think about protecting other people and then being rewarded with that guarded nature with another deeper line of questioning, I just, yeah. And then to be, to then be ridiculed, mocked, and like talked down to as like the true, like, if there is a victim in this, it is Megan Thee Stallion. Like, period. Right? Like, across the board. Like, don't question her. You don't have to, like, all of that is just how people look at Black women. It's just like, you don't, nope, like, you must have asked for this. You must have done something. You, I don't know. Like, it it annoys and pisses me off. Because it's just like, this would not be the case if it was any other type of person. No, and like, think about who the fuck is Tory Lanez? Who right. is that? Megan Thee Stallion has like multiple number ones this year, is like at the top of the music game right now. And she still can't. And y'all worried about Tory Lanez? Like. Fuck Tory Lanez. Oh my God. I just got Tory so Lanez mad. did nothing for I'm nobody. I'm to throw my computer out this right. window. So and y'all are worried mad. about Tory Lanez? No. Get out of my face. A, no- a nobody before, gonna be a nobody continuous. Like, fuck that man. Yeah. Um, uh, have you listened to Rico Nasty's iPhone? Uh, I have not. I didn't even know that she had a new song out. Do you like Rico Nasty at all? I love Rico Nasty. Yeah, I do too. I love the punky nature. It feels, it reminds me very of like kind of warped tour evolution. Like, yeah. if that makes any sense. Like, it's that same I got, kind of like, I fell down, she's on TikTok and I like fell down a Rico Nasty oh. like, TikTok hole because mm-hmm. she's just, she's just as strange <laughs> like there. Yeah. So it's cool. <laughs> I think um, I honestly kind of discovered her through that Tia Tamara song, which I still think is. Doja's best song still. I love that song. It might be. It might it's be. so good. And it made me sad in some ways that Rico wasn't the one. But also, I mean, look at them. There's a probably a reason. But yeah. um, Well, they're friends, I think. Like, they're pretty close. And I think oh, yeah. um, Rico's been blowing up still. I agree. I wish I listened to Rico more than I currently do. But I also think that because her music is so aggressive yeah. <laughs> I don't want to call it aggressive it's very in your face I mean and I, I think it is aggressive but yeah, and, I, and, I, like, and I like that sometimes but it's just not yeah. like a if it just comes on and it's the wrong song I'll be yeah. like oh I can't I need to turn this off it yeah, is yeah. 30 in the morning yeah <laughs> I think um I think this new song iPhone is very cute it just still has obviously a lot of that same energy but it has a little bit more of a kind of 
chorus bop to it that allows some replayability. I don't know. I think it's super mm. fun. And it sounds, it sounds fresh. It sounds so fresh. I love it. Nice. Um, do you want to talk, I guess, I don't the know. The Batman trailer? Let's talk about sure. the Batman trailer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I just watched it. it before this and it was, it was a little intense, but not in like the Christopher Nolan kind of way. Like, I know. It's hard because I just feel like for some reason Batman has Batman means dark, mysterious, brutal underbelly. And like yeah. also it's like Batman is about a rich white man with anger problems. Like it's it's a little annoying to begin with. But I'm excited. I hope I feel like Robert Pattinson could do great in that. And Zoe Kravitz, isn't she the catwoman? I think so, yeah. I'm excited to see that. I I don't know. I, I'm always super hesitant about superhero movies, but I fucking love them. I'm excited for this. It looks a little like this weird. It's not weird, but it looks a little like um an amalgamation of all the Batman's we've seen so far. Like it has this darkness to it that Christopher Nolan gave us, but it also sort of has this um cinematic 1990s sort of feel to it like the ones we got with George Clooney and like um, Alicia Silverstone and like them and then I think just because of like Catwoman being in it and the Riddler and it's not what feels like the Riddler anyways I'm pretty sure he's in it um I'm not going to say it's like stylistically like the Tim Burton one, but I don't know. It's also, there's, it feels like it's echoing that a bit. It feels like it's going to be all of those. I think that's a, a high standard to live up to. So yeah. we'll see. But it's also hard for me to get excited about any trailers these days because it's like, I'm not going to go to a fucking movie theater to watch no. this. So like, uh, <laughs> I'm really excited to um, stream it illegally at my home. Yeah. Um, Thanks for putting that out into the uh, internet. <laughs> I I love to steal. Um, <laughs> they're also so. Oh, I want to talk about this. They're putting Mulan on Disney Plus, and then oh, yeah. you have to pay an extra thirty dollars, and that makes me sad because I was really looking forward to seeing Mulan in a theater, and I really think that they should like still put it in a theater. But I also understand the pandemic has just like demolished you know. like the entertainment industry, yeah. um, and I'm like whatever i'm gonna support this movie because i really wanted to see it and i think that disney is actually gonna do a great job with it so i mean if anybody wants to come to my house and watch mulan when it comes out i'm, I'm gonna pay the 30 dollars. <laughs> yeah i definitely think it's very much like okay a family or a group of people have a backyard viewing of it and like yeah don't pay 30 dollars individual and then it's also this weird thing uh, i agree with you about mulan it is um the only reboot or like live action disney movie that i have been excited to see like yeah um i have seen other ones and when i was done watching them i feel like i watched that um <laughs> the jungle book was good if you say so i think um it, i think but okay the difference with the jungle book though is that there has already been multiple live action adaptations of that you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i don't know it, to me it is they have all felt like you did it good job you 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 shot a shot for shot remake of an animated movie it sort of made sense thank you for doing that 19 times mulan comes out this trailer and it's like this is a new fucking movie it is like yeah i it's not a musical they take the racist dragon out of it like i yeah. am excited by it 
and there's no then, music there's no singing yeah i'm it just looked i'm like fuck yeah i want to see mulan yeah yeah um, i want to see her be a bad bitch of yeah. course and then the uh, my only problem with it is you know the lead actress is coming out and has been very pro the police in the hong kong protests so like oh. she she's this she's you know a wealthy woman who's like done a lot of shit and it makes it so hard because it's the same thing with uh that wonder woman woman gal gadot or whatever she's a fucking israeli army woman like she's not a great person <laughs> like you know what i mean yeah. like she's like she like probably has killed palestinian children you know like i think um but i still want to go see wonder woman <laughs> okay that I, I, again you know we still are engaging with lovecraft you know i mean i'm hopeful that there's this play. I don't, that's still not happening, mama, because there is a difference. There is a difference between like someone having like- Why don't you people. want me to be happy? Because they literally, okay, if we, we cannot have conversations about Uganda and like the ways that like they don't allow gay people to live and then talk about eating Chick-fil-A, which funds the people that propaganda to Uganda to kill gay people. Like you can't do it. It's a cognitive disconnect. You can't do it. So I, so I guess this means I should not reach out to Chick-fil-A for an endorsement on this God, podcast. no. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. I worked there for like too many years. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. Oh um, my gosh. Okay. Fine. Fine. <laughs> um, but I will say I am going to try and I am excited to support Mulan because I am hopeful that it does something cool like what Crazy Rich Asians did and show that there is a demand for um, movies that center on these stories. You know, like we got- What if they did put the dragon back in Mulan and instead of it being Eddie Murphy as the voice, it was Aquafina? Is it still blackface? Like, is that the problem then? <laughs> because of Aquafina's voice? <laughs> like, is it like- <laughs> yes. I think we, we might run into a different problem there. <laughs> That's like uh, a compounded like issue. <laughs> oh my God, oh my God. I, uh, I have on here that, to talk about the Portland riots. And then I also, I just am realizing I don't want to, but- uh, Yeah, let's not. They're still uh, happening if anybody's wondering. <laughs> well, I mean, beyond that, there was a big alt-right thing yesterday. And uh, I think the coolest thing for someone maybe who doesn't live here to know is that the Proud Boys are a bunch of fucking babies. And, uh, you know, the anti-fascists or the protesters have been going at this for so long, going against, up against police. They have actual tactics to be able to push through stuff. Whereas like the proud, like the protesters have been able to like get maced to get, uh, you know, have things shot at them, fireworks. There's videos of like, you know, the Portland protesters um, having like fireworks shot in and then they just kind of like disperse and, and get it down and then there's tear gas but they're all wearing masks and it's okay but the basically the Proud Boys kind of like gas themselves they're all like having mason shit around but they're also not wearing like protective mask gear so well, they're like silly because they're fucking stupid and also you know why there wasn't a lot of fucking well beyond just the fact that the police don't erase or arrest these racists they were also at half capacity because a bunch of them were in the fucking protest themselves because they are nazi proud boys so i just hmm. what am i trying to say uh follow journalists on the ground do not read cnn recaps of what's happening in portland every time i do especially if i have been out and then read about what i what was supposed to be reported on based on what is in the news it does not match so follow people follow journalists on twitter that are on the ground 
um, they have a much more nuanced understanding and a longevity understanding of the fact that this has been going on for 85 plus days. And I also said, I'm not going to talk about it. And then I fucking got talking about it. I'm so sorry. Um, and then, I don't know, lastly, uh, Chi Devane died and that was so fucking sad. I know. Um, I think, um, I watched a couple of performances by her and, you know, I, I think post all stars, I just was like, the show does this terrible thing of if someone kind of gets eliminated early, like there's like this false narrative that they're not a good queen or something stupid like that. You know, it's just like, she had such a good attitude about her like kind of short time there. And even in post interview, she was like, it was definitely my time to go. I had a great time. These Queens like invested millions of dollars and I had just come off my season and I was great TV. I am great TV. I'm a beautiful queen. I dance really well. I'll see you later. You know? Um, yeah. But she um, had, some health issues and then caught pneumonia and then there was kidney failure after that and she's just like 34 years old and gone it's very sad <sighs> i think something this made me think about too is you know because of where drag race is there's like a uh, sometimes it gets put on new york times or you know there's some there's some gay person in the room who's like we need to write about this right which i think is cool but then it's like this these obituaries just get flooded with troll comments of like straight people being like just horrible nasty homophobic things you know it's like even in death we can't have good shit you know what i mean and mm. even in even when we've reached the point where cnn is writing about our death this is a girl who was just a queen from the bayou you know what i mean like there's she could have died very quietly. You know what I mean? And she's elevated to this platform and is still fucking like ridiculed. It's like disgusting. And I just, Hmm. I didn't know I was going to cry. I think I just, um, I want to live in a world where we can die in peace. You know what I mean? Like, um, but she was very beautiful and, um, very, very talented. And I feel like if you don't know who Chi Chi Devane is, Go look up some of her performances, both on and off that show that we unfortunately have to keep talking about. But um, <laughs> um, when we come back, we are going to be joined by my beautiful, lovely friend, Claire Reardon. I'm so excited. so excited to be joined here by my friend Claire Reardon. Um, we worked together for a minute. It's super awesome to see you. Um, we both left our jobs at the same time to both pursue careers in mental health counseling, degrees in mental health counseling in different ways. I, I went for social work to school. You went to a better school <laughs> for um, <laughs> a counseling degree. And um, I just, uh, I think you're so rad and so amazing. And I am really excited to hear more of your story today. And um, yeah, hello, welcome, how are you? Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> um, one way we kind of get started with a lot of guests is um, what are identities that are important to you or shape the way that you come into this world? Yeah, um, well, I am white. Um, I am a, a queer cis woman. Um, I've been, uh, married to my wife for three years now, almost in October. Aww. 
Um, anniversary. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> um, and uh, I have a disability. Um, so that's something that, that shows up a lot mm-hmm. um, in my life. And what else? Right now, I'm very much feeling student. Um, I think I'm yeah. like a perpetual student, as many of us are in, in yeah. a way, but um, my life is all about grad school right now, so. Yeah, yeah. We right before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about just the mini break that we're both getting in this short window of time, but have been, um, we were saying that like we had kind of developed a possibility for studying together and then COVID kind of happened and that opportunity got stripped from us. But yeah, like, we did it like one or two times. And yeah. we were like, oh, this is great. We can like talk about how our classes yes. are different. And then yes. it was just like, no, no. I'm no. Just <laughs> because I mean, so much of our, our friendship was secluded to work as much work friendships often are, you know, and it was exciting to be able to engage like outside of that bullshit, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Isn't it strange being in school for like mental health things and like things that are typically very face-to-face interactions with people? How strange is it like learning all this stuff via Zoom? Yeah. <laughs> it's a trip. <laughs> yeah. Imagine. Yeah, I mean, I had this past this past term, a class called Practical Skills, which is where you're supposed to um, uh, kind of learn about being a mental health counselor, uh, like learn about reflective listening, learn about, um, you know, nonverbal communication and stuff like that. And um, doing that over Zoom was so difficult. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, well, I obviously can't imagine because I'm doing some of those things, but it's... Like, it's you all, are doing that. Though. I know, but it also, it just, I, it feels like different at the same time because my first year has been very like, this is social work. And like my clinical stuff has kind of just started this summer and I'm moving mm-hmm. into it, you know, but I, so I feel like I'm about to step into more of that. I had a, I had a brief behavioral like intervention kind of thing and we were just doing role plays with each other. And like, sometimes it worked. I feel like in some ways, the in-person embarrassment sheds a little bit for me because I'm like, this is fake. It's a computer. Like, it's yeah. not real. Like, I'm not real. Neither. I'm just an avatar. Game. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So if there's an element of kind of being able to jump into that feeling a little more, but it also is absolutely really fucking weird and not the best and awesome. Um, you mentioned that you have a disability. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that, how that shows up for you or even just like what the concept of disability means to you? Yeah, sure. Um, so I am legally blind. Um, that's that's a disability that I have, and um, I've I've had it since I was born. So um, you know, disability varies so much. I think the experience that folks have, depending on you know, like the severity, um, and also like was it something that happened later in life, right. um, or is it something kind of that you've always had with you? Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, I mean, for me, like these days, I really think of disability as uh, kind of like through like the social model of disability. Um, if I don't know if y'all are familiar with that, we but, might be, but our listeners may not be. So okay. what do you mean by that? <laughs> so um, the basically, I think of of disability as you know anybody who has a way of kind of showing up in the world, being in the world, being in spaces and places, and the way we interact with each other that is significantly far enough outside the margin of what we all consider normal, Mm -hmm. um, that it, uh, puts us at 
a serious disadvantage in mm-hmm. the way that society is currently built. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, the idea is is not that necessarily, you know, there's there's something wrong with you, right. <laughs> um, but just that the the city or the employment system or the building is literally not built for you right. in some particular way. There um, was not a so, consideration for people who come to the world like you when this was made. Right. Because and it's so either that, too expensive or I didn't think about it or it doesn't impact me. Yes. Um, or we'd like to keep you out of here. Well, um, work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, thus you have a hard time navigating spaces sometimes physically sometimes you know um in the way that you communicate with folks or or whatever um but that the reason for that is not you know kind of a, a personal failing or a medical problem necessarily but more so just like the way that we built our systems and our society right right um do you feel like i feel what am I trying to say? There is, I feel like there's a lot of discourse, especially in like social work and other stuff around like the quote disability community, which like the queer community, like the black community is filled with a myriad of experiences, right? Like, do you feel like that is a community that you identify with? Does that concept make even sense to the way that you've come to this world? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. I I definitely identify w- with the experience of disability and when Mm -hmm. I do get the chance to talk to folks who have various other disabilities we definitely connect over certain things certain experiences um but I wouldn't say that it's a a community that I feel that I'm like involved in or Mm -hmm. that has been super supportive of me I think that exists in some places Mm -hmm. um but like you said, disability is really broad. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's a really broad term. And um, I know, for instance, like the deaf community is very tight knit. Um, for me, it's not something that I've, that I have found. Um, yeah. And I think something that has to do with is kind of like um, the idea of like, do you pass or do you not? Right. Um, which is something also we talk about like with queer stuff, obviously. Right. right. Um, but do you pass as like able-bodied? Do you pass as as not disabled? Um, or you know, are you a wheelchair user? Are you you know completely uh, deaf? Like whatever, some way where like you really can't quote unquote pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the folks who can't pass, and this is, I do, I do pass, and so mm-hmm. this is me speculating. Um, and from what I've talked to with other other people, but um, I think that you don't kind of pass as able-bodied then then there's maybe some more community to be found also some more challenges right Mm -hmm. does it feel with not passing i mean does it feel isolating i guess my question is more of what came it's like a chicken or egg kind of question but like do you feel as though passing automatically sort of isolated you and therefore you don't feel closer to that community or do you feel like maybe the isolation was something that you like yourself maybe self-prophesizing was just like I passed therefore I distanced myself from this community I think it's both as of course the answer always is this chicken yeah. The therapist yeah <laughs> um, you know it's both no I I think when there's a chance when you're when you're a little kid especially because i was born with my disability when you're a little kid and there's a chance that your child could be normal 
right? right? I think there's a push to make you be as normal as possible and, you know, get you in with the sighted kids and can you be in mm. a regular classroom and can you do regular things? Do you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, can you overcome this? And a lot of the stories that we hear in like mainstream media are about people kind of overcoming their disability and succeeding despite their disability and look what they can do like every normal person, you know, yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. That, like inspiration porn kind of stuff. Totally. Um, so I don't really blame anybody for the fact that that happened because it makes sense to me. Like if I think about like me having a little baby and being wanting that little baby to like have a great life, you know, like, oh yeah, right. you know, you should do everything that you can to be like, have a normal life. Um, but I think I then internalized a lot of that. Um, and, and so then I wanted to be normal. I didn't want to be disabled. I didn't want to be Mm. different, um, for a long time and definitely cut myself off. Then at first it was other people doing it to me right then. It was me doing it to myself, cutting myself Uh off in that community because, um, I wanted to, do what I thought I was supposed to do. Right. Know? Yeah. This is it. This isn't a question. It's more of just a thought I'm having right now. Just how all the identities, identities that we can occupy, there always seems to be this uh, desire. At least at some point in everybody's life, there's always this drive to want to like be normal or be like whatever this archetype is of normal, mm-hmm. which I think we all understand is like white, male, and straight. Like that's mm-hmm. what society sort of teaches us. And like nothing's wrong with you. Like you're not emotional. You you yeah. Like you don't have anything else going on. And I just find it interesting. I obviously I obviously am not disabled, but to still hear that from you, Claire, is like interesting because you're talking, you're saying that and I'm immediately equating it to like, oh yeah, there's some black people out there that like have only been raised around white people or like only feel comfortable around white people because they were taught like that is what you need to strive to be like. I'm going to get you into schools with like white people or like in groups with a bunch of white people. So I don't know. I I see the parallels in a lot of different other ways. And I think it's interesting too because, um, you know, there is unfortunately this kind of like level of uh, white people absorbing um, black stories around access and the world not being made in the ways that are accessible to them as like that can sort of be like disregarded as fiction. We know it's not, it's not. And there's like this kind of disregard that can happen. And then there's something this like about disability that like shows this like tangible thing. Like I cannot walk up these stairs. Like I can't, do it you know what i mean like there's like this like um it's 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 a it's a more tangible in some ways way to showcase the ways that you know being a white man is not like this inherently good thing or whatever and it really isn't even about that that identity it's about the fact that like the world has decided that that's the only type of person that we are mm. going to cater to, you know? And so it, like, it, it's, you know, you talk about passing. I also remember Claire, we used to have conversations around, like, you'd be like, I am literally at a restaurant with my wife. We are holding hands and they'll be like, oh, you guys are sisters. You're so close. <laughs> like in the ways of like being this queer woman who is dating another queer woman or now married. I think this is when you were dating, but like now married um, to someone who also, I mean, do you identify as femme? I think, I feel like I perceive you both as femme, but. No, we both are. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, right. very fun. Got the long hair and the makeup and the nails and the, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Just like full <laughs> Gorgina, just hot as fuck, both of you. Um, <laughs> and like, uh, but what is, the, I mean, what does that feel like? You're like coming into the world and you're like, I'm 
I am obviously queer. Like, or you feel like you're like, I am exhibiting queerness. I'm practicing queerness in public and I'm still not able to be absorbed. I think about it like when uh, a lot of like, you know, stupid gay men will be like, why are there women here? I'm like, cause they're fucking gay, you idiot. <laughs> like what, like what? Like, I don't know. Yeah, actually that happened to me once. Um, I was in a, I was in a gay bar in Spain and the, some of the guys there were like, why are you here? This is a gay bar. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's so fucking disgusting. Um, how does, um, when we think about, I don't know, I'm sure you have a lot of language around this as you're in school now, but I, I've also just talked to you and I know that you have your own language around your understanding of mental health, but how does blindness exhibiting with a disability, you know, being a queer woman, how do those things shape your understanding of mental health and wellness? And I don't know, I'm going to leave that open. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, um, I think that my disability, as I've come to understand it better, um, and less, in less of a sort of internalized ableist, you better do everything, bitch, kind of right. a way. Right. Um, is uh, it, it helps me think about how there's no real definition of wellness, mm. like that everybody's wellness looks different. Um, you know, there's not like one way to be healthy. Um, there's not one way to be, uh, there's not one way to see, you know, there's not one way to um, think there, there's not. And so there's not one way to be mentally well. You know, right. Mental health is not like a, a destination that we all arrive at. It's sort of like, what does it mean for you? You, Girl, know? you better preach. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and I, so I think that, you know, the way that I, the way that I see like my disability, like helps me think about it like that. Um, because I see in a way that, you know, you don't and we right. can't compare even like what do you see what do i see i don't know i can't describe to you what it is because i don't know what i'm not seeing right you can't describe to me what you can see because i can't conceptualize it right. and so i think that it's i mean it's a metaphor but like it helps me uh look at mental health in that way as well hmm. that's super beautiful i am very there's a part of my brain that's trying to like go to a different question. There's another part of my brain that's just like, that is profound. Sit with that, breathe through that. I love that. Um, I mean, as you're navigating and moving towards this career, you know, like um, what are some things that you feel have brought you to that desire, like brought you to the desire to engage in counseling, to go to three years of Zoom classes? Like, Ooh, it better not be three years. Okay. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh my God. Don't knock, on, knock on wood. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I think, you know, I think it's a combination of things. I've always um, been drawn to kind of service roles, if you want to put it that way. Mm. Um, I thought I wanted to teach for a while. I thought I wanted to work in education. Um, and I still am interested maybe in, you know, working with young people um, or, you know, in connection to a school or something like that um, as a counselor. Um, but I think, you know, I, I love, um, I love people's stories. I love narratives. I love, I've always, you know, I've loved like reading and writing stories and, um, connecting with people through stories. And, mm -hmm. um, I think I've gotten through like my 
queer identity, through sharing about my disability with other people, through um, just like working in racial justice spaces, um, like I've gotten to hear a lot of amazing stories um, and been really impacted by them. And um, I think the idea of kind of being able to work one-on-one with people in kind of writing their own story, rewriting their own story, making meaning um, is like really compelling to me. So that's partially, partially how it came about. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I think uh, I'm happy that you named books because I, shocked is not the right thing uh i was almost expecting you to name like reader as like and i didn't because that's something that's so big in what i know about you is like just how you coped for so long how you got through shit and just like nose in a book this is this is my little matilda life you know like um, (laughs) yeah yeah, and i love that and and i think that translating that into how your understanding of literature is also how you've kind of come to understand other people and, and and experience difference, you know, and like um, make meaning out of that. I think that's super cool. Um, Do you want to talk about the ways that reading kind of kept you? Yeah, I can. I mean, the biggest thing for me as a kid was, was Harry Potter. Um, Mm -hmm. That was like my world. Yeah. It's so Um, sad. JK Rowling died. You know, I I would say R.I.P., but uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope you I hope you rot, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been actually a, a tough time for me. Um, yeah. so, I'm sorry about this. I'm sorry about your passing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> y'all are funny. Yeah, that aside, um, Harry Potter was it was like my thing, my my whole life, kind of as a kid, um, and it was like you know, so much more for me than, um, just, uh, just reading a book. Like I, I was very, um, involved in the Harry Potter fan community. It was like, it was kind of my, my outlet for like creativity. Like it wasn't just about, you know, reading a book and, you know, getting away from everything for a while. Um, I got really involved in like, um, reading and writing like fan fiction and like doing art. And then I met other people, um, through that. And I ended up you know, getting involved in like the wizard rock music scene and doing radio shows and just like um, all kinds of stuff. It it kind of branched out and it was a way that I felt like, um, yeah, like I was able to explore a lot of those things in kind of like this safe container. Mm. Um, And the fan fiction, especially like, I mean, I know, you know, (laughs) fan fiction is many things. um, One of which is like just smut. but <laughs> and that um, deserves a place in history you know <laughs> absolutely not yeah. to knock it i want to um, hear what happens in the quidditch locker room you know yeah <laughs> i would definitely read that story <laughs> there are those stories out there mm-hmm. um, I, but for me it was a kind of a way to work through stuff um almost like you know you have these characters who are familiar you have these settings who are familiar and then you know like what how do i how do I work through, you know, my like first crush on a girl or like mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and it was also kind of a way to explore some of those things in a way that, you know, I was a pretty timid, uh, late blooming queer kid. So I wasn't like, uh, you know, watching all the gay movies when I was like, you know, younger or whatever. But I, what I was doing was reading 
gay fan fiction. Uh Um, (laughs) And so it was sort of like an access point for me for so many things. Um, I definitely remember my first kind of, it wasn't exactly fan fiction. They were a little bit more on the smuttier side was absolutely though reading like kind of dirty online stories. Like I'd plug in my dial up when my parents were gone and I would just like read you know, what would happen if Brian kissed Jack? Like, or just like, whatever. Oh my the God. Like, so, <laughs> there was an anime that used to come on called uh, Gundam Wing. Yes, there was. I used to read fucking gay fan fiction because yes. they were all like boys. And I was just like, <laughs> they're hot. And I mean, they're cartoons, but whatever. <laughs> sure. I love that. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> I guess everybody has that phase. <laughs> yeah. So, what? you know it it might still be fan fiction but what now is the thing that is because being a student is very fucking hard especially i think there's something about i mean shawnee i don't know if you know this claire but shawnee also went to school for counseling and was a counselor for a second and um so we all have this experience of not just going through grad school but going through grad school that demands introspection it demands you solving your own shit it demands Mm -hmm. you stepping into your own power you know it's like it's beyond just learning it is unlearning and relearning yourself and kind of putting yourself back together to be able to hold space for other people to tell you their shit you know what i mean Um, so if fan fiction and reading was that for you as a kid what is what is now the thing that is kind of keeping you together and helping you do that learning and unlearning in that kind of safe container? Hmm. I think, I mean, I have a really great therapist, my own, <laughs> myself. Work. So honestly, like she's fabulous. Um, it took me a long time to find somebody who I kind of like gelled well with. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she's, uh, she's very willing to, you know, some days we, we do techniques that I can identify from my classes other times she wants to pull a tarot card for me you know and so she's Aww. very like that it. um which I really really appreciate um so that honestly I mean is a traditional answer but, but um I haven't engaged with counseling um before the last year and a half with her like oh, since cool. um in a really like useful way yeah. um and so uh it's been like honestly super transformative for me. yeah I my therapist does not pull tarot cards with me, but maybe I can ask him. Uh, I, around like halfway through my first term, I was like, I'm going to break if I don't, (laughs) I'm going to fully fall apart if I don't get a therapist right now, (laughs) like right now. Um, And I, because I had had like other therapists that I've kind of like made touch points with, but we always broke up. And like, I was excited to kind of engage in therapy in this way that's like, I'm, I am making sure that this is a practice because it is a practice of my own sustainability. Like I will not have anything to offer classes for role plays or clients later at internships if I am not taking care of what's going on in this heart space, you know, because like I think that all three of us, I'm sure, Shawnee, you can recognize too, that like when you learn a lot about mental health and the ways that our brain can lie to us, (laughs) like there's, there's ways that you kind of get really heady about even your own mental health like you don't always allow yourself to feel it because you're like this is depression and depression is this and you know what I mean and Mm -hmm. I think it's I just I want to mirror and just scream advocacy for like if you have the access and the opportunity to be able to explore therapy for yourself it is so fucking important you should do it absolutely 
Yeah. And also that it's okay to therapist shop. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Because it takes I really, a minute. Yeah, it takes a minute. I really had a few false starts um, where I was just even doubting, like, can I even be a therapist if I haven't benefited from therapy? Like, is this oh. even, you know? Um, and then, you know, it was just a fit thing. So, yeah, it's a relationship. And I mean, it's like anything exactly. else. You want to make sure that you actually partner with the person and it's somebody you feel comfortable with and you're able to open up to. And that's not always going to be the first person that you meet just because somebody's therapist doesn't mean that they are automatically guaranteed to gel with you. No, not at all. (laughs) It takes, it takes actual work to like put yourself into it and it's really vulnerable. (laughs) And like, it can be totally scary. Um, Did you think it was important to find a therapist that shared identities with you? Like, how important is it to you to have to explain your experience since birth? You know what I mean? Cause like, even in our questioning, you know, there's like an assumption that there's some type of like wisdom of the comparison to what it is. And you talked about this. You're like, even if you tried to explain to me what site was, that isn't how I would understand it. You know what I mean? And like, as you're shopping around for therapists, like, was that something you considered? Was it making sure that they were a woman? Was it making sure that they were queer as well? Like, what was that experience like? Yeah, I definitely, I thought it was going to be more important than it ended up being. Um, I was looking for that specifically at first. Um, I had one pretty bad experience with a, a, a straight male therapist um, who I basically was like educating him about a bunch of stuff, um, which was pretty shitty um so after that I was like oh I gotta find like a queer lady therapist like you know um maybe somebody who you know has some experience working with disabled clients like something like that and um I went to two different folks who kind of fit that bill and it just didn't work out and that's when Mm. I was really having a lot of doubt like I can I even do this like Mm. um all of that um and uh and so then I kind of re reevaluated that. Um, and I think a lot of it was also me feeling more comfortable in those identities. Like, like I, I more understood how they had impacted me. I didn't need somebody else to tell me that. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody else couldn't tell me that actually, because their experience isn't my experience. And I kind of realized that. Hmm. So then when I found Laura, my current therapist, um, I was actually just thinking about like, what has been like, really impactful for me, like outside of therapy, like what has caused me big, like, you know, revelations or like epiphanies or whatever. Um, And I was thinking about um, some of my experiences with, um, yeah, like with uh, astrology and tarot and some of that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was looking for somebody who was willing for me to bring that in. Yeah. Um, Actually ended up being way better than looking for somebody who just like was a carbon copy of myself. I love that. Well, uh, I think we should move into a quick break and then we'll be able to come back and take some meds. How does that feel for everyone? Delicious. Love. Good. We're almost ready to come back again. Now it's time to take some meds. Um, super excited. Uh, I'll go first. Um, so there's this really... I don't know. I, f- I feel like I get really self-conscious when I start to talk about a, um, a essentially like a, a piece of consumerism that's making very, very excited and very happy. But I finally got to order a fucking Telfar bag this week. I like have been trying. So for those who don't know, uh, Telfar Clemens, they are 
a black queer owned fashion label. Um, and their kind of mission is not for you, for everyone. And within that, they kind of created this, like, um, it's like a, a, um, a faux leather shopping tote that just kind of became this kind of fashion staple. And it's, it, it has the nickname of like the Bushwick Bir Birkin, um, but it's like a relatively affordable kind of like very plain bag. Um, for some reason, I can't explain why I need it so much, but for the past, like, for the past, like, three to four months, they've been sold, well, they've been sold out for, like, a year, and then within the last, like, maybe six months, they've been sending out emails of, like, okay, we're gonna do a drop of this bag at, like, Wednesday at, like, 9 a.m., and you'd go in, and you'd get there at 9 a.m., and then you'd put one in your cart, and then you'd get to the CAPTCHA, and then you'd go to checkout and be, like, sorry, it sold out. Like, these things were selling out in seconds, um, but a really cool thing that they did was they were, like, listen, we're having a lot of bots that are reselling and making money off of us like the point is for a queer black owned company to make fucking money and be this fashion staple thing and instead ebay resellers are getting all this money um so they created this like pre-order system where you can like get whatever bag you want it'll just come in december so i bought myself a christmas present <laughs> last week and i'm really fucking excited to get it um and i will um you know i'll update y'all in a couple months <laughs> i was like i want to see this bag whenever no, it shows no out. no no it's a secret it's a secret even to me oh you know God. what i mean <laughs> not even a real bag that seems just like a box. No, I just, it's like I, just imagine it's there yep truly 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 <laughs> Um, Claire, what are your meds? What's making you happy? What are you feeling this week? Um, so this is again somewhat superficial. Um, <laughs> but yeah, superficial um, podcast. <laughs> I finally got my nails done this week. Yeah, um, and uh, I'm I I wear I used to wear before COVID happened. Um, mm -hmm. uh, like hard gel nail extensions, glitter, you know, holographic that kind of thing. Nail um, is like part of Claire identity, in, at just, least in yeah, how like, I know you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as you've known me, right? Like, yes. pretty much. Um, and they just make me feel put together when I don't have it. When I, if I have sweatpants on, I still feel put together. Like, if right. I have my nails. Um, it's also, uh, I, I like um, talking to other queer women who don't understand how that goes down with sure. two women with long pointy nail extensions and sure. equal um so i i had missed you're like i have some secrets for you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like hey um i had missed all of that uh yeah. a lot and um i finally uh caved i guess and uh the nail salon had opened in june but this week i finally you're like i back. can do i can i can allow myself to do this this week um yeah, i, I love that like, all right it's time and yeah. i'm feeling so much better already so I mean, nothing, absolutely nothing compares to the sound of texting with nails. It is... It's a very <laughs> soothing sound. It is just... That is zen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tick, 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 that's I like ticking. it when, when somebody is actually, like, pissed and just, like, typing away yes! like a novel. Because I'm yes. being soothed. I'm like, this is soothing <laughs> yeah. for me. You're yes. stressed, but I'm getting a lot out of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, they look very beautiful. I'm happy you got to do that this week. Thank you. Shani, what you got? Um, 
I'm gonna veer away from superficiality. Um, wow, yesterday, Lisa. I know, right? Hard <laughs> pivot. Um, <laughs> yesterday, a few friends, um, we went to Topaz Farms, which is on Savi Island here in Oregon. Um, and we had like a, a farm to dinner. dinner. Farm to table. No, farm to table, sorry. Yeah. Farm to table dinner. We had a farm to table dinner um, out like on a farm with like rolling hills in the background, like during sunset, it was gorgeous under this huge oak tree that had a bunch of candles hanging from it. Um, It was really pretty. It was a very special moment. Um, So I got to share that with a couple of friends. Um, And it made me- I saw Val's picture and it was like, I just stared at it for a moment. It looked so beautiful. I'm so glad you guys got to do that. And it was really cool the way that they, really distanced out so even though you're like kind of experiencing farm to table dinner with other picnic tables yeah they spaced they were it out really so you spread kind of, out yeah it, it i'm sure it felt like you weren't really near other people and like just no, being not out in that open air and experiencing we were being obviously very loud as if anybody knows whenever me and my friends hang out we're probably being loud um and I feel like we weren't bothering anybody. So that's how spaced out they were. <laughs> um, nobody got annoyed with us. Um, so that was a really, really, really nice moment. Um, Topaz Arms. Oh, also the the couple that owns the farm just bought the farm in January. Um, okay, cool. And they said they haven't slept in like seven months. And I was like, ah, sure. okay. So that's what happens when you buy a farm. Good Ooh, to yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Not looking to do that immediately anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm glad that happened. That sounds really beautiful. Um, do we got homework? You oh best God. believe we do. Um, inspired by Claire herself. Um, we are going to do an exercise that I did a really long time ago. I think it was like my freshman or sophomore year in college. Um, okay. I was taking some kind of intro psych class. But anyways, we're going to do this. You're going to pick a day this week. Um and you're gonna think on, well, just think on like a, like a behavior or like a thing that humans do. Like whether it's parking a car, walking a dog, throwing a Frisbee, just think on like an activity that humans do. And then I want you to write one full page. Yeah, it's a lot, but you can do it. One full page on trying to describe that activity to somebody that let's just say that they're like an extraterrestrial, like literally have never been to earth. They know nothing about anything. You have to describe the entire thing to them. You can't say like, there's a human over there wearing a black t-shirt throwing like a tennis ball. Somebody that's not from this planet has no idea what you're like talking about. You literally have to break it down um, Mm -hmm. all the way to like the elements that make it what it is. Um, And the point of this exercise is to show you that not everybody has the same experience um, mm-hmm. and sort of gets you into the mindset of um, either explaining things without assumptions attached to it or mm. learning to question things without assumptions attached to it. So mm. hopefully that's what you take away from it. But if you can, if you can muster up one full page of just mm-hmm. like write, describing an activity without using words you're just like used to leaning on, mm-hmm. um, it'll open up your world a little bit, I promise you. Yeah, that sounds cool. And it also makes me feel like it could also be combined with like, some sort of noticing exercise to help you choose the activity. So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you're thinking just like being very observant and like thinking about colors, sounds, smells, and then ways to describe that as a way to um, kind of move into that writing exercise. That's super cool. Thank yeah. you. Um, well, we are closing out. Thank you so much, Claire, for coming through. I have just, um, I have always known you 
to be um, such a deeply kind person and a deeply observant person and a deeply in insightful person. And I am excited for anyone that is going to get the chance to work with you because the way that you have made me feel calm and welcome and loved as a coworker is like, I'm sure will extend out much, much beyond to folks that are coming to see you for care. And I, um, I wish you well through this awful way to go to grad school. <laughs> Thank you, Maddie. That's super sweet. Um, it's been wonderful, folks. Uh, thanks for dropping through. Um, you can always follow us on QBT Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and I think Facebook. I don't know. And you can please subscribe and share with us. Um, give us a five-star review. I just, I just need a five-star review. I can't go on if I don't get a five-star review. <laughs> um, sorry. Thank you. Literally, Marky. we will cancel this podcast. I'm done. We, we need one every week at least. or it's <laughs> One over. a week. We, I will threaten to cancel this podcast. Okay. Well, every week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or I'll shoot you in the foot. Um, and it's a threat. It's just a threat. We're not going to actually do it. <laughs> um, I will threaten you every week. Uh, that's not safe. Okay. Thank you to Marquis and and Shanti Darling for letting us use their music. And big thanks to Allie Kiltz for helping us with editing. Um, it's a Gorgina day outside. I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna go eat a burger. Oh, yum, yum. Um, say hello to your new dog for me, Claire. I will, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Bye. Bye, y'all. <laughs>